0: Hi there and welcome to the 15th episode of the Highlighter podcast. I'm your host Mark Isaro. This podcast is where you, the loyal subscribers of the Highlighter newsletter, get to talk about the articles and issues you care about most. And before we get to the show, I just want to thank all of you for listening, whether it's the first time that you're listening or whether you've been here since the beginning. The Highlighter community is pretty amazing and pretty remarkable, and I'm totally happy that you're a part of it. But now it's time to get to the show and to get to the interview, and I'd like to introduce to you this week's guest. I get to interview my friend and former colleague, Laura Hawkins, who is a math teacher at the Urban School in San Francisco. Laura is also a mother of twins, a speaker of three languages, and an ardent supporter of the Kindle Classroom Project. In this episode, Laura and I are going to talk about Andrew Sullivan's new article, Can Our Democracy Survive Tribalism?, which appeared in New York Magazine and in the highlighter number 114. You're going to like what Laura has to say, so let's get right to that interview.
1: Hey Laura, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Mark. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for being on the show this afternoon. First things first, where are you right now? Where are we talking to you from?
2: Um, I am in San Francisco. Um, I'm sitting outside a coffee shop, so my apologies for occasionally having a loud vehicle drive by or there's a couple twins racing on their scooters right now. Um, But we finally have clear air, so Sitting outside and enjoying it for a moment.
1: Yeah, that's that's great. I'm happy that you are out and about and enjoying the San Francisco day. And for the audience out there, I wanted to first talk a little bit um, about you and, and ask you about how how is this feeling lately being a mom? Because you have uh, you have two kids. You have twins.
2: I do. I have um, I have two year old toddlers. Well, two years and two months. Um, and yeah being a mom is is awesome (laughs) they're so much fun they're so clever um and they're little they're little mimics um and they're also they're so different you know we have a a girl and a boy and we try to parent them in the least gendered way possible Um, You know, we try to parent them pretty equally but um they uh they're so different um and like today we were at at my gym which is this like cool climbing space and my son was climbing up like seven feet high in the air <laughs> and then trying to stand up on a bar and uh and my daughter was like chilling in the ball pit just hanging out sucking her thumb <laughs> like let's let's, let's let's balance this a little bit more um but yeah they're they're super fun and it's awesome although it's also really really busy hence the reason why I'm hiding out at a coffee shop to get my work done this weekend
1: <laughs> it's good to hide out sometimes and is the work that you're doing uh, math related as well because you're also a math teacher
2: it is, yeah. I'm a math teacher. I'm teaching this term. Um, I teach calculus and uh, and a little bit of algebra two geometry. Um, and so I'm I'm grading my uh, kind of my calc A midterms. Um, i have been working through the first page. They're not they're not doing super well. Um, so, but uh, but yes, doing some grading.
1: Yeah, they'll get there. Can you say a little bit more about why math? Why teaching? What What is sort of your theory of action around being a math teacher? Sure.
2: Um, So I have always been good at math, enjoyed it. Well, I guess I had I have had a couple experiences in high school where um, the teacher and I didn't jive, and there was something things that really shook my confidence. Um, But uh, but then I kind of had the opportunity to rebound from that and realize, oh, I'm actually really good at this. Um, And then in college. I realized I really don't like writing long papers um, and then I was good at math, so I was like, oh, I guess I'll do that. Um, and then I was kind of looking at more jobs in the social services agencies, like I've been doing work with homeless youth when I was, like in the summers in college and stuff. And then um, I wanted to join the Peace Corps. And basically the Peace Corps was like, you can teach math, please, please come and teach math. Um, and so I figured if I liked teaching math in the Peace Corps, then that would be, might be a good path for me to continue. Um, and I did. So I did, um, and uh, and I taught for five years with you at a public charter school here in San Francisco, um, and then I kind of got burnt out um, with the with the work that I felt like I need to do to support my students, um, and I've uh, gotten a relationship with my now husband and. I kind of wanted to be in my personal life a bit more, Um, so now I teach at a private school in the city, Um, and it's a private school that has a really similar philosophy to teaching and learning as our charter school, Um, but uh, with a much more privileged student population. Um, So, there's kind of, I have fewer students, and those students have fewer needs, and there's a lot more resources to meet those needs. So, it's it's a much easier teaching job, Um, even though I still kind of get to talk about equity and issues around social justice, um, but it's it's fraught, caring about those things and also teaching in a really privileged private
1: school. Well, I'm happy you brought all of these issues up just because, first of all, a lot of times when teaching gets hard, what happens is that teachers totally, totally get out of the profession. Um, yeah. I guess I, I, I personally stayed in for a while, and, and obviously I'm not that, and you chose something different where you now teach at a different place, and yet you are still in the work. I wanted to follow up with a question about, you know, you say that it's fraught, but you're still in the space. And so how have you sort of dealt with uh, the transition? And then what has teaching, say, at this new school sort of afforded you or allowed you to have the space in maybe doing other work with with regard to social justice?
2: Um, Yeah, that was was a really big question. (laughs) I think, um, well, so it's, I mean, so one of the ways, like when I first started at this new um, private school, like I walked into the, the copy room and there's just this rainbow of as much colored paper as you want of all of the colors. And I was just like, oh my God, look at that. I had been writing grants to get yellow paper for my students to write their notes on. Um, and here it was just this, this rainbow of paper. Um, and so it's, it's it's emotionally challenging to like exist in a space where like these kids just have so much they have these amazing science classes and amazing art classes um, and it's just you know it's not fair that the kids you know living a few blocks away from them don't have access to that um, and so it's 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 fraught for me to be you know a part of the system that is so inequitable um, and I think that I try to I try to kind of Handle that, deal with that in myself by um, by having lots of conversations with kids. Like my students know they can get me off task if they uh, if they start talking about issues of social justice or even just things like you know like why is it okay to dress up like this for Halloween but not like this for Halloween? And well, what if you know what if I identify as this? And what does it mean to identify as this? And you know why am I asking on my little student intro letters what pronoun people use? Um, so I think that you know, continuing to have those conversations is really important. It's it's tough with high school because every year you get a new class of students who just don't don't get it. <laughs> you have to kind of start from scratch again and again telling them, actually, no, this is, this is how we need to be, which actually, you know, a lot of that kind of relates to the article that I'm interested in talking about around tribes, um, uh, you know, some of the, the values of my tribe or sub-tribe. Um, but, um, but, yes, yeah, so I have a lot of conversations, and there's and there's sometimes, so like this this school year we started, and Charlottesville had just happened, um and our school decided not to really respond to it in any curricular way, um so, and that felt really um wrong to me, um, so basically, I started each of my classes, sort of naming it and acknowledging it, and saying, like. This is happening. I'm dealing with it. Some of you are dealing with it in different ways, um, depending on lots of factors. And we're going to mostly do math, but it is something that I just want to name that it's present and it's something that we're all handling in various ways. Um, and I also think, like, so I, I teach a statistics class um, and I, um, and I can have a lot of flexibility because we're not, bound by any state standards to kind of really try to find service data sets that are going to help my students realize more about the world that we live in and the privilege that they have and what injustice looks like and stuff like that, um, although I don't have the answers yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I, I just like all of the different approaches, including the idea of doing something in your own classroom even though your school may not want to address a specific issue and I also just want to say, too, that unfortunately, sometimes I think people say, oh, you have to be in the work in a certain way. And I I personally believe that there's a lot of different ways and a lot of different opportunities. And so it just seems like you've done a great job navigating um, your current, current space. Do you want to start talking about the article? Sure. Yeah, thank you. Great. So, um, yeah, which one do you want to... This is the um, Andrew Sullivan is the one that you want to talk about. Yes.
2: Yes, I have many conflicted feelings about Mr. Andrew Sullivan.
1: <laughs> yeah, me too. I don't know what to do with him. But, yeah, what what do you want to talk about with this article? It was long. Thank you for reading it all. Um, it was long. Yeah what, sort of, yeah, what did you want what, to... What sort of uh, resonated most?
2: Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that... There's a lot of things. I mean, I think that that I am wrestling with with some of the like part of what drew me to the, to d- decide to commit to reading this really long article was that it is something that that I don't fully understand, um, and I've kind of been trying to figure out. Like, there's definitely this clear tribalism and divide between left and right, red and blue, and um, and it was sort of I thought that the initial take on he kind of started with talking about tribalism in different areas um, was interesting because of this idea of I've been kind of thinking about tribalism in terms of like my husband and I have been talking about this a lot like who does it serve like to have like the Ann Coulter or the Milo Yiannopoulos like who who does that kind of like that is, it's really intentional language and what's the point like who is it serving and, I, and it kind of made me think initially so when I was in the Peace Corps I was in Namibia, which was um, under apartheid. It was a colony of South Africa um, until 1990 um, or 92, actually, I forget. But, um, but it had been really recent when I was there in 2002 to 2004. Um, and the, it was definitely an intentional choice by the apartheid government to really reinforce tribal differences and give different tribes different amounts of privilege and access to various social structures and economic systems and stuff. Um, and so, and now that to me was really a clear way, like that, that the ruling, the tiny ruling minority used tribalism to their advantage to kind of maintain their power. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just kind of think about like who, who is benefiting from the tribalism and, and this immense um, like the deepening tribalism that is happening in the, in the divisions that are being encouraged in our culture. Um,
1: yeah, I think it's a, think it's a way, way to start it off with a, with a, a, key, a key question. Uh, yeah, I think that, I think that's fascinating. So are you suggesting that, not necessarily that it's a conspiracy, but that this dynamic is actually silencing, say, a lot of people and the idea is that it's almost by design that that we are being organized into one of these two tribes. Is that what you're getting at?
2: Yeah, I think, I feel like that. Yeah, like, I mean, like, so Andrew Sullivan's point was like, tribalism is the most natural way for us to be. And I definitely, you know, agree with that. Like, that's, it seems to be a major part of human nature. Um, just this us and them and othering. Um, but it, but it seems like that that this like augmenting of tribalism and it it seems like it's serving to basically maybe similar to the under the apartheid system like divert uh, the attention of the majority of the people um, from what's actually happening. You know, like Trump this week he talked about this tax cuts and you know dealt another blow to undermine the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. Um, And like those, those actions are hurting everybody. Um, but because tribalism has been brought to this like frothing furor, like people who identify with his tribe, even though they are hurt by those things, like, um, he says in the article, like they still don't, uh, they don't disagree with it. They don't, they don't say like, Hey, that's not a good idea because you can't do anything wrong because you're in my tribe.
1: Right. And, and even though sometimes, you know, there's been a lot of criticism, say, about social media to accentuate these tribes. Oh, it for sure. Yeah. It, I, I definitely think that that's going on, too. But what's interesting to me is if it's true that this tribalism is happening, it almost doesn't matter what information we're getting. I think one thing that I've been thinking about is also the Second Amendment. And, after the horrible Las Vegas mass murder and shooting, it's interesting how different tribes sort of, sort of talk about certain things like the second amendment um, yeah. differently, differently based on what maybe each specific tribe already believes. And that's the thing, like that's what I wrote about in the blurb is that when I read things like this, I just don't know what to do. I, because I want, I want, I still have this naive sense that if we really just talk it out, You know we're going to get somewhere. But sometimes I don't know if that's true. I have a really, really good friend from college. And after not just this last election, but even from the last one before, he was saying that, let's say that the Democrats or the left might just be too nice. And so the idea is just because the other tribe is mean and they win and they do a great job of of framing the issues that the only way is to destroy the other tribe. And yeah. that, that scares me as well. But I also understand that sort of having a conversation may not always bring any benefit. I mean, what do you think about that? Because like this issue, because I know that a lot of folks are deciding, you know, should we try to open up a conversation at this point?
2: Yeah. I mean I think I've been I would, it actually made me think about my, my statistics class, right? So like so my students, the vast majority of them are really privileged and really well meaning, um, but they have you know, they live in this sort of bubble. Um and and so like one of the the I look at like what data sets can we look at that are gonna kind of open their world view a little bit. Um and Um, There's a a data set that I worked with at a workshop years ago that I've been trying to hunt down and actually just found a new way to look for it. But um, basically it's looking at um, traffic stop data with the Los Angeles Police Department because after Rodney King, they had to start submitting um, a lot more data publicly, um, but they weren't really analyzing it. So we took this data set and analyzed it and um, and it's kind of interesting because like it shows that black and brown people were disproportionately stopped. Um, But I think that for my students, like, that's not enough, because for many of them, um, certainly not all of them, but for many of them, there's this little voice in their head that's like, well, but maybe that's because, like, maybe those black and brown people kind of deserve to be, like, maybe they're, and so you have to take the, you have to give them not just that data set, but also the data set that shows, like, okay, of those people stopped, what percentage had, you know, had something on them that was illegal? and it turns out that white people who were stopped were way more likely to have something on that's illegal versus black and brown people who were stopped. Very, very few of them had anything on them that was illegal. So it's like, oh, actually, these black and brown people were being pulled over just because they were black and brown, um, not because there was any reason to, otherwise something else would have been surfaced. Um, you know what I'm saying? So like, they, ha- they don't, like, you have to have the conversation. But there's, there's also like, there's so many biases that we have that you have to also have the conversation about the underlying biases too, um, which is a lot yeah. harder to deal with.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, as a statistics teacher and as a math person, and, and we want to believe in data can change minds, it yeah. sounds like it sounds like you still want to believe in that. And I certainly do too, but there must be something more. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is I don't want a world or an approach to teaching or to... Uh, to truth to be just anecdotal and just through yeah. emotions and just feeling. Is that, I mean, you would agree. like but Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. Because there's some many people who are like, well, you're just, you're, you know, you're not like one of them. Like I have a black friend, but my black friend is not like one of those black people. Like you can, having anecdotal, having relationships isn't enough because you can still sort of say like, well, but this is true about the majority of people.
1: Yeah. And I guess what I'm I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like, mm. what do you think? What do you think? Like, so if it's true that we're in tribes, then there must be a huge fear to be seen as wrong or want to change your view. I mean, right. So like if. Yeah. Let's say that I have a let's say that I have a certain um, belief system and then somebody comes up and talks to me and let's say that I'm vulnerable mm. and then I change my mind it seems like people don't want to do that for fear of being weak or it it might be scary because the only other option might be to go to the other tribe. Do you agree with that?
2: Yeah. It's interesting. like to think about like, what if, what if somebody that I knew and respected really changed their position on a lot of these things that are core to me? Like, it would be really challenging for me to maintain a relationship with them. I think, um, I think like my Facebook feed, I don't, I don't, I don't have like maybe even anyone who is in the other tribe anymore on my Facebook feed. Um, I, I say too much stuff all the time. (laughs) You don't want to hear me. Um,
1: well, is that because of you or because of them?
2: I think it's a little bit of both. Like I, I had a former student who was posting a lot of um racialized jokes, and i kind of i engaged with him around it over Facebook, which is not the most ideal um medium for that, but like we tried to have a little conversation, and it was just like oh you you don't want to move at all um and i was like i'm I'm kind of done seeing your racist memes posted, and so I hid him um and I don't know if he has hidden me um and then it's not seeing the stuff that I'm posting either. But even so, like I think I mean I struggle with a lot of a lot of the stuff um a lot of the articles and things that are written are clearly written to to preach to the choir and are really dismissive of the other of people who don't yet you know, people who aren't woke, people who don't get it. Um and in a way that's like, this is not helpful. Like, I can't share this with somebody else because you're so dismissive of the other side. And so if, yeah, you, if you are on the other side and you're just being dismissed by all this stuff, like, why would you want to join that other tribe? <laughs> they don't like you.
1: Yeah, and I do agree with you on the snarkiness just because I think that it's easier to recognize and identify snarkiness on the other side or in the other tribe when really it's in, it's in whatever tribe that we're in. I mean... Sometimes I I listen, sometimes I watch or listen to maybe the more right wing stuff. um, Mm -hmm. And then I say, wow, they seem really mean. And then if I actually listen to some of the stuff, like even even the podcast um, Pod Save America and those folks who are getting really, really popular now, they're as snarky and mean. And they specifically said that they created the podcast. To not be snarky and mean, so it's just it's interesting how I think by definition sometimes the tribalism leads to to meanness. But I also get the point. I mean, I mean it must be difficult. I think it is difficult to actually continue to be open to other people's views and to try to have conversations because they take a lot of time, and we don't actually know whether they will have true benefit. We, we, don't, we don't actually know what the, the results will be, um, except for what Andrew Sullivan is trying to say at the end, which is very weird, which is, oh, all of these things shouldn't matter because individuals matter. And that was the part of his argument. Yeah. Where I, was like, I was like, no, no, no. like That does not work anymore. I mean, you might try to create that as a new myth, but it doesn't work that way anymore. Um that, yeah, that was the I, part that I had. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, no, I mean yeah, I, I totally agree. I was like, I feel like this is like this is just coming from a place of privilege. Like I actually so I do have this one Facebook friend who has been posting, I guess, that um Michael Che who called um Trump a cracker on Saturday Night Live and he went off on my friend on Facebook went off on this whole thing about um about not like basically you should be kind to each other and you should never have this kind of insulting language and that doesn't ever get us anywhere and kindness. And like, you need to have hundred percent openness and like, and, and I was just like, as I was kind of trying to, I talked to three of my husband a little bit. I was like, why, what's, what's wrong exactly with that argument? Cause it feels really wrong. And based, And my husband was like, well, it's just that it, you have to like acknowledge that people are feeling pain from what's going on, from, from this, this institutionalized oppression and the systems of racism. Like, you can't just say, let's go to this next place where we look at individuals, let's go to this next place where we just, like, treat each other with respect always, because we have to, like, there's a process to get there, and you can't, you can't skip that process and just say we're going to be there, because that, that pain doesn't go away. Yeah, like Andrew Sullivan was calling for forgiveness. Um, and they're definitely, you know, that's got to be there, like he was talking about in South Africa and um, the um, reconciliation process that they went through. Um, but there was a reconciliation process. They didn't just, like, forgive everybody. Like, they had trials. They brought it out in the open. They talked about it. Um, and that's how their society is trying to move forward. Um, but you can't just skip that and be like, we're all the individuals. Like that just, that doesn't re- acknowledge the reality.
1: I agree with you. And just the idea of just talking it out. And I think just talking it out is also privileging certain people. And I think it's connected <laughs> also to this other debate around the first amendment and freedom of expression and how we should just say whatever we want. And that's just not yeah. really okay. And, and you got me thinking also because, Even though I'm not a huge fan of Andrew Sullivan, it's interesting how you could equate some of his ideas, even with Brian Stevenson, who I, you know, I admire, which is this idea that we haven't had this conversation and we have to go through reconciliation. But it seems like we need to actually know what those protocols are going to look like, what those conversations are going to look like. Because if we just sort of just, if we just all go to the public square and start talking (laughs) (laughs) about... It it does it doesn't seem like it's gonna work out.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I it's interesting. Have you? Yeah. I don't know. I didn't watch the whole thing, but there's this video of um a allegedly Black Lives Matter activists going to a Trump rally, and like they get up on stage, and it's basically like like some some Trump supporter is like, but what about black on black crime? And like Black Lives Matter, like we're like, well, that's actually this this and this. And I was like, oh okay, well that makes sense. And then another Trump supporter like shouts out another like talking point what about this and then they address that one they're like oh, blah, blah, blah. and they like it's but it's like every like talking point like the crowd's like yeah rabble 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 and then they address it and the crowd's like well that's, that sounds reasonable all right that makes sense all right and then there's a lot about this one rabble, rabble rabble like it's like i feel like there needs to be like there do need to be those kinds of conversations but It's like the crowd went so quickly back to like, Hey yeah, what about that other thing though? Like they didn't they didn't retain it necessarily of like, Oh, actually there might be arguments against all of these things that we believe.
1: Yeah. And also my tribe is
2: right and the other tribe is not right. So that's I know.
1: (laughs) I know. That's yeah, that's that's another thing. Well, okay, so Laura, I have to say that we're almost out of time. It's been great to talk to you
2: it great talking to you, too.
1: But I wanted to give you one last shot, you know, sort of like a last word. Could be, <laughs> it could be like, hey, what do you think that we should all do as an audience? Or what are you going to do? Or, you know, because you're a teacher, too, and there's a lot of teachers in the audience. What do you think we should be thinking about this next week uh, before the next um, issue of The Highlighter comes out on Thursday?
2: <laughs> um. I don't I, I don't know that's too big. I mean, I think that I think that we should continue to like bring ourselves to conversations with kids and like, you know, respect that they are constantly and not just kids, but of everyone is constantly in this process of learning stuff and figuring stuff out. Like I tell my students like I'm not done. I still am learning and figuring stuff out and making mistakes around thinking this kinds of thing. But, uh, but to continue to bring myself to those conversations and continue to sort of challenge them ideally from a place of curiosity. I think that that seems to be the most helpful advice I've gotten of like when someone has a different opinion, then to kind of approach it with curiosity rather than trying to explain to them how they're so terribly wrong, which is my inclination.
1: That's great. And thank you so much for that final word. And thanks so much for being on the show.
2: You're very welcome. Thanks for having me, Mark.
0: All right. That's our show. And I'd like to thank Laura yet again for coming on the show. And I'd like to thank you all for listening. As you know, the highlighter community is stronger because of all of us. If you have any tips, ideas, thoughts, please email me at mark.highlighter.cc. I hope everybody has a good week. There's a new newsletter coming out this Thursday at 9.10, so catch that. And also, if you have somebody who might like the highlighter, please feel free to let them know. Have a great week, everybody.